0: Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you it is alive and quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, we just present ourselves today before you and your Word to speak to us. And Lord, if we hear something that is difficult for our mind, we pray, Lord, that you'd enable it to minister to us and get through and sink down into our hearts that we might understand what it is you're saying to us. We pray today, Lord, for change. Change in our lives, change in our church, Change in the community and change in the world. We pray for change in the United States of America. We need change. We keep hearing a mantra of change in the political arena, but, Lord, we need a change in the hearts of men. And we pray, Lord, that hearts would be turned, that our hearts would be turned to you, and that we would cry out to you, and that we would connect with you in the way that would please you today, Father. We open our hearts with willingness to receive your teaching and your instruction, your leading and your will for our lives. We say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people say it. Amen. Well, let's just begin reading this passage of Scripture. I I don't know if I could find a more difficult uh, passage, or one that's... uh, less comfortable for us today. So it'll be a challenge in the natural, but the Holy Spirit can just make it work, and that's what we pray. Okay, Luke chapter 14, verse 25, and there went great multitudes with him, that is Jesus, and he turned and said unto them, he said unto them, how many know Jesus speaks to people? And he said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace." So likewise, whosoever he be of you, Everybody say, that means me. Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. My message today is give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. You know, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that said, if, if one died for all, then all should live for him. Jesus gave his everything for us. Amen? But he calls us to give our everything for him. He calls us to forsake all and follow him. You know, in the church in America today, we have, in general, a very general statement, but in general, there's very little depth There's a lot of noise sometimes and a lot of activity, but not nearly enough depth. Amen? Not nearly enough consecration to God. It's interesting. We just went through this election, and I think a lot of Christians are disappointed by the results, and we're hoping for something different in the political arena. But you know what? It's not the political arena that's going to save us. It's not the political arena that's going to change this nation. Amen. It's going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ moving in the hearts of people. Amen. And we need a revival in the land. Amen. Amen. If we're looking to some politician to save us, we've got our eyes on the wrong wrong thing. Amen. Because Jesus Christ is the answer for the world. Amen. He is the answer. And we need to turn to him to have uh, a change in our nation. It says in 2 Chronicles verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 14 if my people that are called by my name, how many know that's the Christians, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Amen. You see, But somehow we've got the idea that it's all about those wicked people. We're going to make them change. We're going to make them conform, you know. But God says, hey, first of all, check out your own backyard. Can I have an amen? We need revival in the church. We need some Christians that actually do what Jesus said to do. That actually live by the instructions of Jesus Christ that actually come under his lordship and follow him with all their hearts. Now, I was raised in a Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptists. They preached the gospel. And it was a Southern Baptist church, and they preached the gospel good. And uh, when I was nine years old, I heard the gospel on an Easter Sunday morning, and I got up from the pew, and I came forward, and I prayed what they call the sinner's prayer. I believed in the gospel message. I believed that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believed in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believed that I wanted to receive him as my Savior. And something really happened in my life at that point in time. Something You know, miraculous, I was drawn by the Holy Spirit, and I took a step towards God. But you know, I didn't really surrender my life to him that day. I took a step towards him, but I really didn't make him Lord. I made him Savior, as far as I knew, but I didn't really let Jesus become the Lord of my life. In this passage that we just read, Jesus sets out the conditions for discipleship, to be his disciples. He is not looking for any half-hearted uh, commitments, half-hearted decisions. He's calling us to surrender all to him. It's interesting, you know, that scripture said that whosoever doesn't hate his mother and father and wife, you know, that's very strange for us. But I understand from the, the you know, scholar, Greek scholars and so forth that that have studied the culture then, that this was something sometimes the Jewish people would say. They would use that expression when they were talking about the relative love of something to something else. Now, we know the Bible doesn't contradict itself, amen? And it also says in Ephesians that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I love my wife very much. And it's scriptural to love your wife. And it's also scriptural to love other people. Jesus, they asked Jesus, they said, What's the great commandment? He said, Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and being, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus wasn't contradicting himself when he talked about this, but he was setting up a standard that in comparison to everything else, he was to be our supreme love. Amen? That nothing was to come before him. In his purpose and his will for our lives. We are to surrender to him if we're to be his disciple. And if it comes down to a conflict between family or God, we're going to go God's ways. Amen. If it comes to a choice between pleasing man and pleasing God, we're going to please the Lord. Amen. Uh, We're not going to use the second commandment to break the first commandment. We're not going to be loving people so much that we forget about loving God. You understand what I'm saying? And I know as a pastor, you know, you would see this all the time. People would have a priority for family, you know, and thank God for a good priority for family. But sometimes people would be running off doing what Aunt Martha wanted them to do on Sunday instead of being on, in church. And I'm not saying that there's not a time to be at Aunt Martha's instead or to be uh, in in Minneapolis with your brother or something like that. There, I mean, there's other things. It's, I'm not talking about some legalistic thing, but I'm talking about the spirit of the thing is that if you your priority is, you know, making your family happy instead of God, you're not being a disciple. Amen. And the Lord is looking for people that are really sold out for him. Can I have an Amen. And I found out in my own life, you know, I had made that decision and I had come forward when I was nine years old. But when the pressures of, you know, teen- the teenage life began to come upon me, all my friends, the peer pressure, I began to go their way. And I quit going to church and I started drinking and I started carousing and I went down the wrong path for a long time. In high school, I was a heavy drinker. When I got to college, I continued with the drinking and I added drugs. And my wife and I became uh, vagabond hippies, and we traveled all over the country. And uh, we have friends here from California today. I was, I was in California, and I was in Oregon, and I was all over. But we were searching for something. Back in the 70s, there was a lot of young people searching, searching, searching. And we, we were looking into Eastern religions and yoga and many different things. But a lot of us ended up finding Jesus. And uh, I, I went to a, a church, and I shared a little bit in Sunday school about this, but uh, that it was full of young people that had a similar background to me, and many of them had uh, received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and uh, when I was 27 years old, in prayer, I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I surrendered to Him. And I found out that's when your life really changes. Amen. Because not only do you need to believe the gospel, but you have to commit to him. Amen? You have to surrender to him and let him take charge of your life. Amen? You know, it's interesting in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. And sometimes I think we preach the gospel, we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. You know, when there's a kingdom... Every time there's a kingdom, there's a king. Amen? And what does the king do? The king rules. Amen? The kingdom of God is about God ruling in our hearts. See, Jesus' kingdom is not about politics. Now, I'm not against politics, and and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in politics, but I'm saying sometimes we get our eyes on Natural things instead of the spiritual things. And Jesus taught about a kingdom uh, of the spirit world, of the spirit life, and of the heart. He told people, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? So the kingdom of God is about coming under, in your heart, the leadership and rulership of God. Amen? And following him. The Lord put his finger on my life touched me, and spoke to me and said these words. He said, turn from the things of the world. I knew what he meant. Lay down those drugs, that alcohol, and follow me. You know, Jesus always told people, come and follow me. He told his disciples, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. You want to be successful at evangelism? You want to be successful at impacting society, making a difference in, in the world, changing the culture around you? Then become a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. Give him your all. Amen? Whosoever doesn't forsake all he has, he says, cannot be my disciple. If we're holding on to something, it's such a, it's such a silly thing to hold on to something so unimportant. You know? We've got to let go, and we've got to let let God rule in our lives. If we, for example, if we are allowing family to be God, amen, see, if, if somebody's telling you what to do other than God, okay, if they're ruling your life, if you're going to the church they want you to go to, or you're living your life the way that they think you should, instead of what you feel in your heart God wants you to do, amen, then they're your God instead of God. In other words, Jesus isn't your Lord, Aunt Martha is. Hello? Are you with me? And you know what? You're really not loving them, you're harming them. Because you're not raising up the standard in their midst of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're not presenting the kingdom of God to them. You're not demonstrating that you are following the one who you say is your Savior. (laughs) You know? You've You've got to live what you believe in order for it to to bring change, real change, to those around you. In our nation today, we have so many problems. In our world today, you know, every day you listen to the news, there's some war or conflict, some genocide, some horrible thing going on. In our nation here, there's an economic collapse going on. Our nation has so many problems. Believe me, they don't know what to do. And They just gave a $700 billion welfare package to the banks. Oh yeah, we'll fix this. You know, I mean, how they how are they financing it? They borrow money from the Chinese. The Bible said he, you know, that the one that borrows is a slave to the lender. Our nation is in a, has a problem, folks. Amen. Somebody says you're not speaking positively. Well, I mean, first we got to face reality here. Amen. But I read something, because you know what? I have hope today. Because there's a savior. There's a God who's almighty, amen, who can save and deliver. And and listen to this list of conditions that that were in America at one time. Number one, gain, gambling, and greed. Speculation, spectacular wealth and prosperity for an elite few widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots with corresponding rapid increase in violent crime. Number two, occult domination. A nation hungry for supernatural turned to spiritualism, which gained a popular foothold over many minds. Today on, you know, afternoon TV, on Oprah, we have a new spirituality that even in some ways masquerades itself as Christianity, but it's really new age. It's just new age thought. There's no hell. There's no repentance. There's no blood. But it's a... It's a spirituality. People want to be spiritual. We have that today. Number three, immorality. Well, it goes without saying. Amen. A playboy philosophy of free love was advocated and accepted by many. You mentioned it uh, this morning in the announcements. What's coming across the airwaves is, is turning young people's minds, old people's minds, the wrong way. Can I have an Amen. You know, it's 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 interesting because they they uh, recently they did a study and they determined that uh, that uh, young girls who watch these programs like uh, Friends and that's an old one you know I'm not up to date to what what all they have now but they listen to the ones that listen to these programs that that have all this sexual activity and, and so forth are more likely to get pregnant than those that don't duh. I mean, I could have told them that. They didn't need to do that study. Sure. That stuff is influencing people's minds. Okay. Immorality. Number four, commercial and political corruption. Yeah. The politics and the the politicians and the business people were in bed together. Bribes, graft, and illegal business practices were ripe In the nation, national laws still legalized the cruel system of slavery. At number five, atheism, agnosticism, uh, apathy and indifference to God, to the church, and the message abounded on every hand. The decline was fourfold, social, moral, political, and spiritual. I'm talking about 1857, in the 1850s. The the nation was on a a verge of an economic collapse. And judgment came, both secular and religious conditions combined to bring about a terrible economic and social crash. Thousands of merchants were forced to the wall as banks failed and railroads went into bankruptcy. Factories shut down. Vast numbers were thrown out of employment. New York City alone having 30,000 idle men. Uh, I think I read... This morning on CNN, I get the CNN news every morning that last week our nation lost 15,000, just one week, 15,000 jobs. I mean, there's there's a tremendous decline economically, but thank God we have an answer. By October of 1857, people were no longer into speculation and gain with despair and hunger staring them in the face. But then it goes on to talk. I'll read about this one ministry. It says, In Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Walter Palmer, a holiness Methodist physician, and his talented wife, Phoebe, herself a firebrand preacher. Right, Terry? Are you a firebrand preacher? Praise God. Thank God for women preachers, I'll tell you what. Uh, began a series of meetings soon reported in the New York Journal as an extraordinary revival with three to 400 converts. Walter and Phoebe, in common with many of Finney's converts, uh, Charles Finney was an evangelist back in those days, were ablaze with a burning desire to implement the message of what? Personal and social holiness. Tell you what, when the government fails, we'll still be here. And Jesus Christ is in us. Amen? And the people of this world need what we have. And I believe the church will arise in this, in this hour and meet a need in society. And out of this, uh, I'm going to be telling you about a revival. Out of this revival came the Salvation Army and many uh, social movements that met physical, practical needs. But also won many souls to the Lord. They were ablaze with a burning desire to implement the message of personal and social holiness and from such a practical sanctification to extend the kingdom of God throughout the whole earth. So there started to be this preaching. And then it says prayer was such a key in the 1857 awakening that it has been called the prayer meeting revival. God laid a call on Jeremiah uh, Lampfear. an Upper New York-born businessman, converted in 1842 during a revival in the Broadway Tabernacle built by Finney a decade earlier. Seeing the terrible need in the city for God, he gave up his business in order to be a, a city street missionary. With social collapse staring the city in the face, fear walked the streets, passing out ads for a noonday prayer meeting to be held Wednesday at the Dutch church on the corner of Fulton Street in downtown New York. For 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes, he waited alone. His faith tried, but then at 12.30, six men came came in, one after another. The next week, there was 20, and by the first week in October, they had decided to meet daily instead of weekly. Within six months, over 10,000 businessmen were meeting every day in similar meetings, confessing sin, getting saved, praying for revival. Most of the organizers of the prayer meetings were businessmen. People had meetings in stores, company buildings, and churches. With hardly an exception, churches worked together as one with no time for jealousy. And by common consent, doctrinal controversies were left alone. America began to live again. Hallelujah. America shall live again, folks. Amen. Revival will come to our nation as we cry out to God. And in just two years, over one million converts were added to the churches of all denominations. Praise God. And then it goes on to say that the, the revival spread to Great Britain and another million were converted over there. Amen. And, and I think about that one fella. Uh, lamp here. One man. So often I've seen in studying history that just one person who hears from God can initiate something that, that changes the whole scene. Amen? You might be that person. Amen? You are that person. Praise God. Uh, William Carey was a person like that. He started the modern missionary movement. He got a burden for souls in in India and in the the Far East. And and it began a a worldwide movement that's still going on today. Changed completely the complexion of Christianity in the face of the earth. One person sold out to God. We've yet to see the power that's released from someone who is totally, totally sold out to the Lord. Amen. Jesus said, "Count the cost. If anybody come after me, does <clears throat> whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." That's interesting. Jesus died in substitution for us on the cross, didn't he? I mean, he paid the penalty uh, through his sacrifice. You know, the message is that that you know he bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by his stripes we were healed it says all we like sheep have gone astray every one to his own way but the lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all he suffered for us but you know it's interesting that he calls us as followers of him to also be willing to suffer to willing to sacrifice so that somebody else could find Jesus. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen? God's got a call on your life. Amen? If you surrender to that and follow him step by step, he'll open doors for you like you, don't, like you wouldn't believe. The power of God will be resident in your life. Don't ever turn back. Go full bore. Open your heart to Him. And if you make a mistake, don't blame God. Just get on your knees and repent and go forward. Amen? And that goes for all of us. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen? To make a real difference. Amen? God's not looking for superstars. He's just looking for available people who will say, yes, I give you my all. He says some people... When they want to build a tower, they don't count the cost. He says, you've got to count the cost. There's a lot of Christians that have half-built towers. Amen? There's a lot of half-done projects because they didn't count the cost. You know, we've got to count the cost. We've got to realize that there's a price to pay. I found out, you know, even in the little bit of missions work, that I've done you know I I say a little bit in comparison to the sacrifices that some people have made it's very little but sometimes it's difficult it's difficult to be away from my wife it's difficult some of the circumstances that you know when you're over there sometimes you're lonely and you, you just don't you just your natural man doesn't feel like that but he says take up your cross and follow him there's something about that yes Lord your will not my will that turns that thing around and makes it a joy. Amen? You know, he said he's looking for obedience, not sacrifice. Sometimes we got this attitude, attitude oh, I'm sacrificing for the Lord. I'm sacri-. But God just says, no, just obey me and I'll bless you. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I remember one time I was in Africa and we were having meetings and. And I was teaching and preaching. And I, I'm sure I was, I was given truth. You know, I was preaching the Bible. But my heart wasn't in it. And, uh, you know, I was just struggling. I had, back home, I had some difficulties going on, uh, particularly with our church. and My wife and I were kind of struggling with some things that were going on, some things uh, back home. And so I was, But I was over there. The trip had been scheduled, and here I was. And I was preaching and teaching. And uh, I just didn't want to be there. You say, you didn't want to be there? Yeah, I'm just like you. I have attitudes too. (laughs) And but one day I had a little time off, you know, and I was at the hotel and I just got to praying and talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, this this isn't right. You know, I just ask you today to give me your love for these people. Just give me your love. I just committed it to him. You know, you can have a meeting with the Lord. Amen. There's prayer and then there's prayer. You can have a meeting (laughs) where you connect with him. And you know that whole trip turned around. I began to love the people and the ministry started to flow. We saw really good fruit. And then I was able to go home. You know, all those problems, they were still there when I got back. I didn't need to worry about them while I was over there, you know. But there's that aspect of surrender. Surrendering to the Lord. This is what we need, a church that's that's counted the cost and is willing to surrender, really willing to make Jesus the Lord of their life. This world will not be won by half-hearted Christians. (laughs) No, it'll it'll be won by people that are sold out for the Lord. Amen? And God has a plan, you know, for your life. Praise God! Just going to share with you a story about a man. How many ever heard of Lester Summerall? Great man of God. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But Lester Summerall was in the Philippines years ago, and the Lord had sent sent him there as a missionary, and and uh, he felt led to have some crusades, and they had these evangelistic meetings, and a lot of people came, and people were healed, and people were saved. But Lester was called to to start a church, and that church would be became a, a real missions jumping point for the Philippines. He was called to do a real work for the Lord. So they're having this crusade, and all these people are praying and accepting Jesus, and all these miracles are taking place. But there's no church happening. You know, there's nothing. Nothing substantial, nothing solid that's happening. So Lester gets in prayer and, and talks to the Lord and says, Lord, where's the church? Where's my church? You know, it's time to birth the church. Where's the church? And the Lord says, well, what you need to do is you need to have a baptism service. So on the last day of this crusade, he announced, we're going to have a baptism service. And I want everybody that's willing to die for Jesus to come and be baptized. (laughs) And out of this huge thousands of people, they had 300 people that came. But that was his church. And that became the nucleus of a great missionary movement in the Philippines. Because you see, they were sold out and they were willing to follow the Lord. Today, we are concerned about our government. We're concerned about some of the directions that the government's going. But I want you to know that it's not the government that's, that's the answer for our nation. It's God's people rising up. The Bible said, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you. China has one of the worst governments in the world, but you know the church is doing better than all the rest of us. They're winning thousands of people to the Lord every day. Why? Because they're sold out. You have to be sold out to be a Christian in China. You know, you're an enemy of the state. <laughs> you know, there's persecution. There's, in India, there's people running for their lives because they're Christians. Their churches have been burned. Their homes have been burned. They're running through the jungles to escape death because the Hindus have risen up against them. And many have been killed and many are homeless because of that. We don't, we don't understand that so much in America. We haven't seen that. But yet there's a price in America too. They make fun of us, you know. The the uh, the media and the educational system and the powers that be will laugh at us. Well, that's not so big, that's not so bad. You could be being chased through a jungle, amen. But yet there's a surrender even in our situation, amen, to be willing to be made fun of, to be be willing to be an outcast, to share Jesus with someone that's maybe gonna reject you. Amen. I mean, I'm trying to bring this thing down home here, okay? Maybe we're not running through the jungles, but we may have some fear about sharing the Lord or really living for him or really making a stand. But Jesus says, forsake all and follow me. Notice he said, uh, he even dealt with your own life also. He says, hates not his mother and father and so on family and his own life also. To be willing to lay down your life for Jesus. Praise God. Someone said that the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's interesting. In Acts chapter 1, he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. The Greek word is martyrs. The witness is not just some words that we speak, it's the life that we live. As we lay our lives down for, for others, then we enter into the Christ life. And if we enter into the Christ life, people see Jesus. Amen? People can see Jesus in you. Amen? As you live for him, the world will see Jesus. So let me give you three reasons to surrender to the Lord. Number one, because he gave us all for you then you should give your all for him. The second reason is because the world needs Jesus, and the only way they're going to see him is through you. And it won't be just through your profession, but it's through your life. And the third reason is you're never really going to be fully satisfied as a Christian until you lay it all down. (laughs) You're never really going to find The full meaning of a Christian life. True happiness comes from surrendering to Jesus and really letting him have his way. Amen? Say yes. Paul said that I might know him, right? In the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. He says, you know what? Paul says, I want to be like Jesus when he was resurrected. I want to have that fullness of the life of God in me. But I know for to to have a resurrection, there must first be a death. (laughs) Amen? And so we need to die to some things. Amen? We need to put things in the right perspective. Our nation needs it. Our nation needs you. Amen? Our nation needs us like this businessman from New York I read about that said, we got to do something for this city, that looked and, and had compassion on the people and knew the only answer was Jesus. You know, that seed is in you to touch this world. Amen. Give your life to Jesus. Amen. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota 56002.